every week, every week, without fail, I get the call. It's always about some mischievous dog. The owner comes home from work only to find that the dog has completely destroyed the house. The couch is completely torn up. The dog had gotten on the countertop, stole everything off of that, gotten into the newspaper, shredded everything, and then peed and pooped all over the place. And I tell them, listen, you've got to crate train your dog. And they're like, well, wait a minute. That's cruel. I don't want to crate train my dog. And I tell people, listen, the number one rule when you have a destructive dog or puppy in your house, the number one rule is you either supervise that dog, have them in your eyesight, or you can fine them to a crate. Good Saturday morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to Pet Talk today. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're brand new to Pet Talk today, let me tell you a little bit about how this works. Um, Today's going to be Q&A for the most part. If you've got a question about your dog or your puppy's behavior, what I'd like you to do is go ahead and type your questions into the comments section. And I'm going to do my best to read those questions and give you some advice, give you some help, and hopefully put an end to some of the either nuisance behaviors. I don't know. Maybe you've got a dog with a barking problem. Perhaps you've got a dog that likes to jump. Maybe you've got a dog with potty training issues. That can be frustrating. Then again, you might be dealing with more severe type problems such as anxiety, fears, phobias, aggression. That's always tough. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. As I said, I'm Will Bangora. I'm your host for Pet Talk today. I'm also a nationally certified professional dog trainer, as well as an associate applied animal behaviorist. In 2011, I did postgraduate work in canine cognition through Harvard University, and I am the owner and founder of Phoenix Dog Training. I've been training professionally for over 30 years. At Phoenix Dog Training, we specialize in some of the most Difficult behaviors, fears, phobias, anxiety, aggression. Um, But not everybody can afford private in-home training. So Pet Talk today is a labor of love for me where I'm able to hopefully give back to the community and help those people that might not, like I said, be able to afford private in-home training. So do me a favor. Share our page, Pet Talk Today, on your Facebook page. Please share our live stream on your Facebook page. We're here every Saturday from 9 until 10 a.m. helping you with your dog training and behavior problems. Before I go to your specific questions um, that you have, I've got a few, let's see, I've got a few email questions that... I want to make sure that I am also getting to. So let me pull, let me pull that up. Okay, perfect. 
So the first question that I have is from Shelly in Scottsdale. And Shelly says, I've been having the most difficult time potty training my dog. What can I do to help the dog? Well, the first thing, Shelly, I want to tell you is that I've got a 45-minute podcast that deals specifically with potty training. 45 minutes of in-depth potty training information. If you have not subscribed to the Pet Talk Today podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Google Podcasts, or any of the major hosting sites. It could be Spotify. Um, There's a lot of them out there. But do a search for Pet Talk Today. Subscribe to the Pet Talk Today podcast. You'll never miss um, any information that we provide you. Now, if you go to Season 1, Episode 16... That's where you're going to find the in-depth podcast on potty training. If you follow those guidelines, I guarantee you, you'll be able to potty train any dog. I don't care how young or how old they are. It will work. Now, the first thing I'll say, you know, the majority of information, you really need to be checking out that podcast. Because like I said, I could talk 45 minutes just on potty training. But the number one rule, and I talked about it when I opened the show today, and that is supervise or confine. The biggest problem isn't that your dog might be using the house as a toilet. The biggest problem is you're not there to see it. You're not there to redirect your dog. You're not there to make sure that there's some kind of a consequence. And when dogs can engage in behaviors that we don't want and we're not there to see it, I guarantee you it's not going to get better. Um, And, you know, I get a lot of people that tell me too, they'll say, hey, I know my dog knows it shouldn't go to the bathroom in the house because when I come home, my dog looks guilty. And I try to explain to them, no, there's been a pattern of you coming home each and every night after work, each and every day, and your dog has been destructive or went to the bathroom of the house and you're angry. And there's been a pattern and your dog It's expectation. It's expecting you to come home and be angry. So when you walk through the door, the dog's worried. The dog's worried. Are you going to yell at it? But that doesn't mean that your dog knows that it did something wrong. Because if your dog knew that it did something wrong, it wouldn't be doing it. Okay? All right. Let me take a look and see uh, what kind of questions we have here And again, if you've got a question, if you're watching live on Facebook, please go ahead and type your question in the comment section. I'm going to try to get to everybody's questions. Um, If for some reason I can't get to all of the questions, we'll just roll those over next Saturday. Uh, So make sure that you're here each and every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. So let me take a look and see what I've got here. All right. Good morning from Oscar. Good morning. Good morning got Judy. Judy, good morning. Glad that you're here. Dawn, good morning. Glad you're here. Melissa's here. Rebecca's here. Miranda's here. Thank you. Dawn, Robin, very good. Carla, Krista. Boy, we've got a lot of people watching today. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, So Miranda says, my dog moved from the city backyard to an open ranch with other animals. He runs after all the animals and attacks them. Totally different behavior from the city. Well, 
Miranda, not only is that different behavior from the city, but the city is different be, uh, a different environment than what your dog uh, was used to. Because I think uh, you said that you were in the city in a backyard. Now you're in this big uh, open area and you've got all these critters running around. And the first thing I want to tell you is that your dog is being a dog. That would be pretty normal behavior for most dogs. And so what we need to ask ourselves when we have a behavior problem, we need to look at the ABCs, okay? A is, stands for antecedent. B is behavior. C is consequence. Now, antecedent, that's just a big word for what is happening in the environment right before the behavior. What elicits the behavior? What's the trigger for the behavior? Okay, so we've got the antecedent. Then we've got the behavior. Then after the behavior, there's always a consequence. Now, that consequence could be the dog gets to avoid something uncomfortable with that behavior. Or the consequence could be that um, as a result of the behavior, the dog gets something that it wants. Okay, things that reinforce behavior. Let me give you an example. So let's say that we've got a dog that whenever uh, a delivery person comes to the door and rings the doorbell, drops off a package, the dog goes absolutely ballistic, barking, snarling, just hitting up against that window. You think he's going to break through the window because the dog has fear aggression. We're just going to throw that out as an example. Okay. Well, in the course of events, so our antecedent, the first thing, the trigger, the thing that happens before the behavior is we've got some kind of a stranger that comes up to the door, rings the doorbell. Then the behavior is the barking, the snarling, uh, the aggressive reactive behavior at the window. Okay. Then the consequence is that scary person goes away. And so what happens is, now, of course, we all know why that person goes away, because they're not going to stay there forever. After they drop off the package, they're going to leave. But the dog doesn't necessarily know that. But what the dog does know is that when it was concerned and it started to bark really loud and, and created this big display, it was able to get that scary thing to go away. And so that behavior, although a lot of people don't like it, becomes extremely functional for the dog. It works to help get that something it doesn't like away. Again, that's the consequence. When we know our ABCs, now we can start to make some changes. So in this situation, okay, um, you're no longer in the city and there's all these critters around. And so these other animals are your antecedents. They're the triggers. And you're, like I said, your dog's just being a dog, okay? And, you know, a lot of dogs, they, they've got prey drive. And so chasing after these critters, that's a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, the reward is not catching the critter. The reward is in the chase, the adrenaline, okay? And so one of the things that we can do all right, because remember, the adrenaline, the chase is the reward, okay? Now, there's a couple things that we can do, and this is what we should do. You can't have your dog in that situation if you're unable to control what's going on. We can't have your dog continue to, re 
to rehearse that behavior of going after the animals because it's just getting reinforced and it becomes a conditioned response. And the poor critters are going to get hurt. Now, the other thing that we need to do is we need to, when the dog is out there, right now, until we do the work, we need to remove the critters, put them somewhere else, if we can. And I don't know if you can. The rule is, is that until we do the work of desensitizing the dog, we can't have the dog rehearse the behavior. So if any time the dog sees these critters, it's going ballistic, things are not going to get better if that's the situation. Um, the first thing we need to do is ask ourselves, well, what would we have? What would we rather the dog do? How about the dog focus on you? How about the dog sit? How about the dog lay down? How about the dog do some uh, focused healing? And so one of the things that we talk about is differential reinforcement. And think differential, think different. So we teach a behavior that's different than what we don't want. And we teach, in this case, um, DRI, differential reinforcement incompatible behavior is what we call it. And so if your dog is looking at you, if we teach a watch command, your dog would have to give up that watch command in order to check out these critters and go after the critters. And it can't do two behaviors at the same time. Now, what we want to do is we want to teach a behavior and spend the time doing the work where we're heavily reinforcing watch as one of the behaviors. And you can do that very simply. You can just start saying, you know, your dog's name. Let's say your dog's name is uh, Boo Boo. And you're like, Boo Boo. And Boo Boo looks at you. Reward the dog. Say the dog's name again. Boo Boo. Boo Boo looks at you. Reward the dog. Dog looks away. Say the dog's name again. Boo Boo. Boo Boo looks at you. Reward the dog. Now, use high value food rewards. Those of you that don't want to use food rewards, you're really missing out. They don't have to be something that you use forever. And if you use it the right way, if it's a reward and not a bribe, you can fade those out. But you've got to think about anything we're asking your dog to do, it's work. And they need a paycheck. And the higher the value of the paycheck, the more motivated the dog is going to be to do the behavior. So we want to take time to teach your dog to do other behaviors that we have spent the time teaching appropriately and also, not only teaching appropriately, but rewarding, making sure it's worth the dog's while, okay? Now, when you take the dog outside, take your dog as far away from these critters as possible and begin doing the previously trained behaviors that I'm talking about, whether it's sit, lay down, watch, but get the dog engaged in doing something else. It can't do two things at the same time and heavily reward your dog. And when you begin to do that, your dog still sees the trigger, the critters, but little by little, it'll start to relax. It'll start not reacting. And as your dog gets calmer and focuses more on you and reacts less and less, make sure you're giving high value food rewards. One of the things you want to teach is a place command. Teach your dog to get on a mat or get on a, an elevated dog cot and to stay there. And your dog can't stay there and be running after critters, other animals at the same time. It, it would have to give up one behavior for the other. So again, we have to ask ourselves, what would we rather have the dog do? 
And when we take the time to do this, and when we're training, listen, we need to be committing at least three to five times a week, and we need to be spending about 15 minutes every training session that we do. So hopefully that helps uh, a little bit, Miranda. Let's see if uh, I've got other questions here. All right. Okay, so Melissa says, I have a talker who, when people come over, she has to hear woo, 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 and it's cute for like two seconds. I don't want to break her spirit, but I want her to stop when I ask her to. Boy, that's a great question, Melissa. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that deal with barking. It's probably one of the biggest issues, okay? And you said, hey, I don't want to break her spirit. Well, one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is when the dog is barking, are they barking because they're excited and happy because somebody's there? Or are they barking because they're anxious because somebody's there? Because it's a big difference. If it's something where the dog is anxious, we need to use the principles of counter conditioning and desensitization. Now, counter conditioning is presenting the trigger at a distance where Normally, the dog would be very concerned, but we're far enough at a distance from the, the uh, trigger or the stranger in this case where the dog doesn't have a care in the world, but knows that the stranger's there, knows that the trigger is there. And the way we're going to work it is when the person appears, we're going to feed the dog continuously and constantly with high value food rewards for maybe two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe 10 seconds. And then we have that stranger get out of sight. And when that stranger's out of sight, we stop the feeding. And we wait a few seconds, we have that stranger come back into sight, but again, at a distance, far enough away where your dog's not reactive. The dog knows that person's there, but it doesn't have a care in the world. Because what we need to do, if it is an anxious situation that the dog's barking about, if there's a little bit of fear reactivity, then we need to take that trigger, strangers that come to the house, where your dog views that as a threat. Now, there might not be any real threat, but it doesn't matter. If your dog perceives it as a threat, as far as the dog's concerned, it's a threat. We've got to change that emotional state. And how we change that emotional state is present that trigger when it's not threatening. And again, that's by creating some distance where the dog doesn't have a care in the world. And every time the dog sees that trigger, great things happen. The dog gets high value food rewards. And it's a game that we play of association. It's classical conditioning, associative learning. And we do that three to five times a week five to 15 minute sessions and we make these easy wins for the dog if your dog's reactive you have gone too close too soon you need to back up and you need to slow down now if it's a matter of your dog is super super excited because it likes people then it's a different issue and what i would suggest if that's the case is that, again, what would you rather your dog do instead of barking at people when they come over? How about a polite greeting, maybe having the dog sit, okay? And so one of the things that you can do is, again, ahead of time, teach your dog to sit, take the time to teach an alternative behavior 
take the time to reinforce that strongly with high value food rewards, make it worth the dog's while. And so whatever behaviors you're teaching that are differential reinforcement behaviors, remember differential, different incompatible behaviors, DRI, differential reinforcement, incompatible behaviors. What can you teach your dog to do that would be incompatible? How about teaching your dog to fetch a glove? Okay, or fetch a toy or a ball. You know, it's really hard to have a ball in your mouth and to be barking at the same time. So teaching an alternative behavior. The other thing is just teaching the dog to relax. I like to, even if the dog is excited about people coming over, I like to kind of desensitize the doorbell. Okay. Um, and one of the things I like to do is I like to teach the dog to go to place. I like using these elevated dog cots. Um, and even if people come over and the dog barks, I'm going to ignore that. You got to make sure we don't reinforce it because when you're telling your dog, quiet, 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 you know, and you're yelling and you're yelling at the dog, um, what happens is, is that you're still reinforcing the behavior because you're giving the attention and you're just sitting there and you sound like a fool because you keep yelling, no, 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 all over the place. No, no, no. No! No, 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 no! No! What? No! No! No. No, 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 no. One of the things that drives me nuts as a professional dog trainer, when I walk into somebody's home for the first time and they've got unruly dogs, is they just sit there and scream, no, no. And they've been doing that for months, in some cases, years, and, and it's not working. So stop, stop doing what hasn't been successful, what hasn't been working. And I'll ask people sometimes, I go, well, when your dog does something you don't want, what do you do? Well, I tell it no. Well, does your dog know what no means? What does no represent for your dog? In many cases, you're just reinforcing the behavior. So if your dog begins to bark because it's excited and happy, wait for the dog to be quiet and then reward the quiet behavior. Now, you want to wait till your dog has had maybe three, four, five seconds of quiet. Don't immediately reward the dog the second the dog begins to be quiet because that is going to be maybe too closely associated with the barking that happens right before uh, the dog begins to be quiet. Now, the other thing that you can do, because again, let me just wait, before I say the other thing, going back and ignoring the barking, rewarding quiet, okay, is a big thing. So we call that capturing behavior. So when your dog is quiet, you can label that behavior. All right. Label what the dog offers, the quiet behavior, say quiet and reward the dog. So what you're doing is you're developing, you're creating a vocabulary for your dog so that your dog understands. You know, if you say quiet right now, your dog doesn't know what that means. It just knows that perhaps you're barking back at it. Quiet, quiet, quiet. 
you know, everybody is doing those type of things and it's not working. So capturing good behavior, capturing quiet behavior and rewarding that behavior goes a long way. Now, there's no quick fix for this, folks. You got to understand that we're trying to create new behaviors and we're trying to condition new behaviors. And the more consistent you are and the more you use high value food rewards, the quicker this is going to go. But timing, consistency is everything. Don't even bother trying to stop a behavior in your dog if you're not going to be consistent. It's just not fair to the dog and it's going to drive you crazy. Now, the other thing that we can do when we have a barking problem is we can capture the barking and we can label the barking, say bark or speak or what have you. And if we reward that, we do that over and over enough Now we get to the point where we might be able to ask the dog to bark on command. Now you might be saying, listen, I want my dog to stop barking. Why would I be teaching my dog to bark on command? Because the more opportunity for barking, the more opportunity you get to label quiet when it stops and reward that. So again, it's about having repetition. It's about being able to create associations with that. So again, I want you to think about What behavior would you rather your dog do and start rewarding that? Also start thinking about your ABCs. What happens before the behavior? I need to control that so that the dog doesn't engage in that behavior. A lot of times it's distance. Now, I realize you can't always control who and what is coming to the door, but you don't have to let your dog all the way in there and when I say in there, close to the door, close to the window, you know, some people, uh, while they're doing the work of trying to change this behavior through the work of behavior modification, they might be keeping their dog in another room to try to avoid these behaviors, not to avoid them completely because we want to fix them, but to avoid them so the dog's not rehearsing the behavior, all behavior that happens, I guarantee you there's a reinforcer or the behavior would not continue. It's our job to take a look at what is the reinforcer. Remember, we talked about consequences, okay? You probably can hear my dogs barking in the background. So ABCs, antecedent, got a stranger. My wife's downstairs, and there is um, a handyman that came here. And so there's not a lot of people that come here. The dog's barking, okay? And guess what? The handyman walked from the house out into the garage. Not because he was afraid of the dog, but it just happened that way. So my dogs start realizing, hey, this is a functional behavior. If I bark, I can get that scary stranger to go away. So always think about what is the trigger, the antecedent, what is the behavior, and what is the consequence? All right, and consequences are going to come in two forms. One, the dog did the behavior to gain some type of reward, or the dog did the behavior to avoid or remove something it doesn't like. That is called negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. Now, negative reinforcement in negative reinforcement, the negative is a minus sign. It means removal. And, and usually it's the removal of something unpleasant. Okay. Hopefully that helps um, a little bit. Now, Dawn, we've got a lot of questions about barking. Dawn says, how can I stop my dog from barking at other patients when I'm at the doctor's office. Well, Don, I guess what I would ask you is, is your dog only barking at 
patients at the doctor's office or does your dog bark in other situations? Um, when you're in the doctor's office, your dog is probably in pretty close proximity to these other people. Your dog might not be able to handle being that close to strange people. It might be overstimulating, overwhelming. Um, sounds like it's probably uh, an anxiety related behavior. And so if your dog is barking in other situations with people, use that opportunity because I would stop taking the dog with you to the doctor's office because we need to stop the dog from rehearsing that behavior. Okay. And we need to set up very specific training sessions where we can have people again, far enough away, a distance away from the dog where the dog is comfortable, doesn't have a care in the world, but knows that that trigger is there. And when the dog sees the person, feed, 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 continuously and constantly while that trigger, while that person is there. As soon as the person leaves or we ask the person to leave because it's a training session and we're controlling what's going on, the feeding stops. And we repeat that over and over and over. We're teaching the dog that, hey, the thing that is scary for you, that's where all the good stuff comes from. And it's a game. And a lot of people work too quickly. They go too quick, too soon. This is something that takes time. It's gradual. It's systematic desensitization. And it's just something you've got to do um, that takes time. The alternative, and what a lot of people do, is they use punishment. And I have to ask you, is that fair to the dog? I mean, the dog's just being a dog. The dog doesn't know anybody, especially if you've got a dog that's anxious, the last thing that we want to do is use punishment, which creates more fear, more intimidation, more anxiety. Now, you may be able to stop a behavior with punishment short term, but you're just suppressing the behavior. You haven't dealt with what's actually underlying that behavior, what's at the root cause of it. And, and a lot of times we're talking about anxiety. All right, let's see what else we have for questions. Um, We've got a dog, I think it's Melissa again, also running to the door, demanding attention before letting someone in the door. Well, you know, I kind of covered that, Melissa. If you continue to let the dog um, run up to the door, demanding attention, um, that's reinforcing. Your dog wants that. And so you've got to first and foremost, not let your dog engage in that behavior. And that means that you have to avoid it. And that means that you have to have training sessions where you're setting the dog up as, you know, like the real thing where you've got people coming over so you can practice. You've taught the dog to do something else. Remember, differential reinforcement, make it worth the dog's while, have something else a dog can do where it's, you know, highly reinforced. And when your dog knows that there's a particular behavior that really good things happen, it's going to choose to do that instead of what it's doing to uh, the guests that are coming in. But first and foremost, you've got to keep the dog at a distance and you've got to begin teaching the dog to do um, an alternative behavior. And a lot of times this is not things that are really, really, you know, difficult what it comes down to is that it's just inconvenient. It's time consuming. None of this stuff is that difficult. You know, it's pretty 
common sense when you begin to when you begin to think about it. Let me take a look and see if we have other questions. Um, all right, so Judy. She says, I've got a dog who goes crazy every time we're on a walk and she sees a cat. She cries, barks, lunges, jumps. She also whines every time she sees another dog walking by, wondering how to break this pattern. Judy, much of what I've already talked about is going to apply to what you need to do. Now, I don't know what the environment is where you live. I don't know if there's a lot of stray cats uh, that are running around. Um, And sometimes it's difficult to control our environment. Um, I don't know what it's like as far as in your neighborhood when you go for a walk and other dogs come out, how close or how far. What I can tell you from the dog perspective is you can begin this process of counter-conditioning and desensitizing your dog to other dogs by going to a dog park. No, now hold on, hear me out. Don't take your dog inside the dog park. The only reason you're going to the dog park is so that you have dogs that you can use as a trigger. But what you're going to do is you're going to be far, far, far away from the fence line where the dogs are, far enough away where your dog can see those dogs but your dog doesn't have a care in the world. And I'm serious, your dog doesn't have a care in the world because we need to take that carefree emotional state, pair that with the trigger, the strange dogs that your dog sees at a distance, and pair that and associate it with something really, really, really good, high value food rewards, and do that over and over and over and over and make it extremely black and white. Now, we can't get the dogs to leave when they're in the dog park, but what we can do is turn your dog towards those dogs. Feed, 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 feed. Turn the dog away from those dogs. Your dog, turn it away. Stop feeding. Wait a few seconds. Turn your dog back towards the dogs. Seize the dogs. Feed, 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 feed. Constantly, continuously. Turn your dog around, away from the dog. Stop feeding. Now, you're going to need, again, to do this three to five times a week, five to 15 minutes at a time. And after you've done that for maybe two or three weeks and your dog is loving this game, you know, you you start to do it and your dog, you know, before you know it, it looks at the trigger, the other dogs, and then boom, it's looking at you for food. Well, when your dog shows you that it knows the game and it's looking for the food, Now you can move a little bit closer. You can get a little bit further forward. Um, But don't go, don't get greedy. Don't get too close. Take your time. Err on the side of caution. Because if you get too close too too soon and your dog gets reactive, well, you're just going to be taking steps backwards, okay? Um, The cat. Now, I don't know if you've got a friend with a cat. I don't know if you have a cat. Um, I like to teach a dog to do different behaviors like watch you or have the dog go to place and stay on place. And that way, if I can get a cat to use as a trigger, as a helper to do the behavior modification work, I can control the distance between the dog and the cat. And it's going to be the same thing. 
um, I am going to have the dog far enough away from the cat where the dog's not reactive. The dog doesn't have a care in the world. And I begin to present the cat, feed, 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 constantly and continuously associating something positive, uh, either turn the dog away from the cat or get the cat to be removed. Stop the feeding. Doing that over and over and over again. Now, again, I know a lot of you are saying, God, that's a lot of work. Well, it's time consuming and it's inconvenient. But the alternative is punish your dog. And it's not fair to your dog. Your dog is just being a dog and your dog doesn't know any better. And you need to first teach your dog what to do and start reinforcing appropriate behaviors and take the time to help your dog learn how to relax and be calm if it's a situation where your dog is anxious. Um, And that way you're dealing with the root problem and you're not just dealing with what's on the surface because when you punish and you suppress a behavior, you might stop that behavior for a while, but the pressure builds and it keeps building because the dog is still anxious and that pressure builds and eventually it just blows up and it ends up being worse than what it was in the beginning. That was a great question. Let me see what, uh, what else we have for questions. Um, so Brenda says, Brenda says, I have two rescues. One is so timid, scared of everything, hates leash, car rides, etc. My other dog is aggressive, seems to be when someone comes over or comes into the house, barking, growling, will snap. Uh, he has a deformed back leg and has scars on his head. We don't know his story. Okay, so Brenda, um, you've got a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, the first thing I want to say about aggression, all aggression is based in fear. And I will stand by that till the day I die. No animal goes into fight or flight unless it perceives something as threatening. Now, there might not be a real threat, again, but if it perceives something as threatening, then it's going to go into fight or flight, okay? And again, when we're dealing with aggression at its root cause, fear and anxiety, we need to teach the dog that that trigger, remember the antecedent, the ABCs, what happens before the behavior, that trigger is not a scary thing. It's something that's wonderful because it brings food, high value food rewards. But again, folks, you've got to take the time to set up daily training sessions and you need helpers to be able to do this. Um, In some cases, you might be able to use a mannequin for a while until you start getting really, really close. Now, Let me also talk about this whole idea of dogs that are fearful, say, of people or other dogs or cats or reactive, and you start to counter condition and desensitize and keep getting them closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. Now, you're taking your time. You're doing this gradually. You're doing this systematically. And all of a sudden, you're going through this process. You think you're doing everything great, and your dog becomes reactive. Here's the thing that you need to do. You cannot create a pattern where every single time you keep getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer closer because the dog starts realizing, oh my gosh, 
Um, yeah, I'm comfortable right now, but every time we do this exercise, it gets closer and closer and closer. And so what happens is the dog starts to become fearful. It has the expectation because you have shown it through your training, through the pattern that you are going to keep getting closer and closer and closer. So one of the things that you need to do is you need to mix it up a little bit. So as you begin to get closer, then you need to throw in some longs. What I mean by that is then you go back to being at a distance and do some further away again, helping the dog to relax. So the dog starts realizing, oh, okay, they might not come in all the way. They actually might go further out this time. We need to make sure we're not creating a pattern where that pattern, the dog can anticipate that we're going to get closer because the dog is going to be anxious. Yes, we're getting closer, but it's kind of like we're going up a little bit, down, up a little bit, down, up a little bit, down, a little bit closer, a little back, a little closer, a little back, a little closer, way back, a little closer, way back, a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, a little closer, way back. Mix it up so that the dog doesn't see a pattern. Keep the dog below threshold. Again, what that means is when the trigger's present, your dog does not have a care in the world. Now, you need to be an expert at canine body language because it can appear, if your dog's not reactive, you might think, well, my dog doesn't have a care in the world. The problem is what's happening inside. What's the inner emotional state of your dog? And it would be nice if we could just ask the dog, hey, how you feeling? What do you think about uh, this situation? But we can't do that. But the way that we can find out what's going on with the dog internally is by having a great understanding of canine body language. Because dogs give out dozens and dozens of stress signals. And some of those are very, very subtle. They're very covert. And unless you study canine body language, you wouldn't even know that it's there. You wouldn't even know that it represents a dog that is stressed out. And you need to know that. So, for example, one stress signal is tongue flicking or lip licking. So, if I've got a dog that I'm desensitizing to another dog, a person, um, to sounds, and while I'm doing that work... I start seeing the dog give out some uh, lip licking or tongue flicks. Well, the dog's not reactive. It's not growling. It's not snarling. It's not lunging. So I might think, well, the dog doesn't have a care in the world. Wrong. Wrong. The dog has stress. And if I'm working at a distance where that dog has stress, even if it's mild in this situation, and I'm showing that trigger, and now I'm pairing food, I am reinforcing that stressful emotional state. We can't afford to do that. You've got to understand canine body language. If you've got a dog that's reactive, aggressive, if you've got a dog that's fearful, anxious, you've got to understand canine body language. There's videos out there. There's books out there. Learn all of the different stress signals, okay? Dogs also in canine body language will give us dozens and dozens of potential calming signals. Um, and that's important for you to know too, because if you took your dog too close too soon, if your dog 
was over threshold because now instead of keeping your dog at a distance when you're doing the behavior modification work where we're supposed to have it, where the dog doesn't have a care in the world, your dog has a care. It's giving tongue flicks or lip licking. Well, we need to move the dog further back and maybe the dog gives us um, a calming signal. One of the calming signals that dogs can give is a shake off. You ever see a dog shake themselves? And I'm not talking about after they've been wet or they've had a bath. Obviously, they do that. But oftentimes, a dog will give that same behavior, do that big shake off as a calming signal when there's been an emotional shift from a situation where they were in a little bit more stressful emotional state previously. Um, So learn the canine body language because you could be trying to do the work and you think your dog doesn't have a care in the world because your dog's not overtly displaying behavior that's aggressive or reactive. But if we know our canine body language, if we see stress signals, ah, the dog has a care. Now we're doing the work wrong. And so we want to work really hard and hard work and consistency is important but we want to make sure that what we're doing, we're getting results. And so uh, we want to make sure that we're working smart, that we're not just working, um, working hard. Let me see if we, so hopefully that helps. Let me see if I've got any more questions here. Um, all right. So this is from Christina. She says, my nine month old bull mastiff does really well about going to her bed and staying there while most activities are going on in the house until someone goes into the kitchen. Her, uh, her persistent, she's persistent at coming in there. And it's so frustrating. Um, says she is crate trained and we do use the crate often. I just wish we would not have to use it every time I'm in the kitchen. Do you have any suggestions? Well, yes, I have suggestions. Um, First and foremost, you need to do your absolute best to not let your dog get in the kitchen. And you need to be supervising your dog at all times. And when you can't supervise your dog, you do need to use um, that crate. But one of the things we need to do is teach some boundaries, okay? And we can do that again by teaching behaviors we want and by rewarding those behaviors. So in the kitchen, there is a boundary line. There's a boundary line between the kitchen and the other area outside of the kitchen. Now, what I like to do to begin with is I like to put like a doormat um, at that boundary. And I like to bring the dog up to that doormat And I like to mark and reward the dog. And those of you that don't know what marking is, marking is a communication system, marker training, where we have conditioned the dog to understand that there is a uh, word or a sound that represents, hey, you did a good job, you're getting a food reward, because timing's everything. Um, I don't have time to talk about marker training, but if you want to be serious about training your dog and get results, um, get on Google and look up marker training. Um, we do talk about it from time to time. I'm sure I'll do another uh, show, another episode where we're talking about uh, marker training for the whole show. But again, I'm going to have that, that mat, okay? I'm going to have that 
doormat right in front of where the kitchen is. Let the dog walk up to it, and right before the dog puts its paws on that mat, mark and reward the dog, okay? If the dog puts its paws on the mat, don't reward the dog. And just kind of stand there with your body. Don't push the dog away with your body. Don't say no, but just kind of stand there and block the dog a little bit. Now, if you've done this enough, if you've taken the dog up to the mat and, and you know, maybe six inches, 12 inches before the mat, you marked and reward and you did that over and over again, your dog learns, hey, getting close to that mat, but not going on it, I get a food reward. And anytime your dog then gets its paw on that mat, if you just stand there like a wall and wait, your dog's probably going to back up and get where it needs to go to get a food reward. Now, you need to put in the time to do that, but you've got to make it worth your dog's while to not be in the kitchen. So again, folks, you got to think about anytime you have a behavior that you don't like, ask yourself, what else can I teach the dog to do? What behavior would I rather have the dog do? Well, another behavior would be to teach a place command. Teach your dog to lay on a blanket, a mat. Teach your dog to lay on an elevated dog cot. Okay, and reward the dog a lot for staying there and start presenting mild distractions and reward the dog when it doesn't take the bait of the distractions. Okay, and little by little increase the distractions, but boy, you've got to reward a lot. Capture good behavior, don't push it too far before rewarding because you're trying to teach the dog, hey, if you stay here, you get high value food rewards. So a lot of times, you know, you get in the kitchen, the dog just wants to check out what's going on. What are you doing? Unless food is dropped. And now that the motivation, the reinforcement is, hey, when I go in there, I get food. Um, and that needs to stop if that's the case. But the dogs, a lot of times, they just want to be part of, the, part of the family, part of the group. They're social animals. And so they want to see what's going on. So give them a place to lay down. Give them a place to sit. Get them, teach them that place command so they can still check out what's going on, but they don't have to be under your feet or bothering you in the kitchen. And one thing I like about teaching dogs to go on place, I can give them a bone, I can give them a toy, a bully stick, something that I can keep them busy with, okay? Um, but if your dog's getting in the kitchen and you're not around, you need to be crating the dog so that it can't happen unless you're working with the dog and teaching the dog what you want. Again, everybody, you've got to think about we've got to stop the dog from rehearsing the behaviors we don't want because those continue to get reinforced and we're fighting an uphill battle. I know it's tough and I'm not saying avoid everything forever. That's not the answer, but we need to avoid triggers and the situations um, and set things up just right as a training session to begin to make change with, with your dog. Um, the other thing, Christina, you mentioned that, um, let's see, about going to her bed, does really well going to her bed and staying there while most activities in the house until someone goes in the kitchen, you know, so, one of the things that you can do is when your dog's on the bed, rather than going all the way in the kitchen, how about you take a step towards the kitchen and go back and reward the dog? Do that for a while. Then how about you then, when that gets really well conditioned for the dog, how about you take two steps 
towards the kitchen in reward. Do that for a while. When that gets very comfortable for the dog, how about you take three steps and then four steps and then five steps. But remember, we don't want to create the pattern where the dog gets anxious because we keep getting further and further and further and further away. So as you're getting further and further and further away, every once in a while, you need to throw in a short, okay? And you need to, so if you've gotten to the point where you can go 10 steps away from the dog, um, and I'm just throwing that number out arbitrarily, um, throw in a couple two steps, get two steps away, then reward the dog. But little by little, see, a lot of times we're not breaking these things down into little pieces. And what we need to do oftentimes when we're struggling with a behavior like that is that it's too intense for the dog. You're going from A to Z rather than going A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And you're going to little by little increase your distance away from the dog. And each time that you move away, you've got to reward the dog. Um, And then the other thing is you can begin to do your own distractions to, um, give the dog more opportunity. You know, you give a little distraction, the dog takes the bait, ignore it. Dog goes back to its bed, reward the dog, reward the dog, but try not to distract so much that your dog keeps losing. We're trying to teach the dog what success is, how to win. And if you take the time to do that, um, things are going to get, things are going to get better. Um, Let's see. What else do we have? Sonia. Sonia says, I have an eight-month-old boxer female. I have tried everything to be able to walk her, but she pulls so hard. I have to, I have tried every type of harness. I've tried every type of collar. Um, I have her in training right now, but... And she doesn't say, you know, what that, what that butt is. You know, you're not alone. A lot of people, that's one of the number one problems that people have. And that is the struggle to walk the dog. So let me talk a little bit about how, how to walk a dog here. Now, one of the first things that we need to understand when we're teaching a dog to walk, forget about going for a walk. Forget about going for a walk. The walk will happen, but we've got to work our way up to that, okay? Now, in some situations, the problem begins when the leash comes out. The dog goes ballistic, or the problem begins when you open the door, before you even start to walk. If your dog is so excited when the leash comes out, you need to desensitize. And how you're going to do that is you're going to take the leash out, don't put it on the dog, put it away. Take the leash out, don't put it on the dog, put it away. Take the leash out, don't put it on the dog, put it away. Again, take the leash out, don't put it on the dog, put it away. You need to change, okay? You need to change the representation that the dog has. Right now, when that leash comes out, it goes on the dog immediately, you go outside. So that leash becomes a cue for the dog to get super, super excited that, oh my God, we're going for a walk. But if you change that association by reconditioning that that leash means, hey, sometimes it comes out, we go for a walk. Sometimes it comes out, we don't. That's going to help calm your dog down. It's going to help relax the dog. Now, the other thing, 
that we need to do is, remember I said, forget about the walk. Really walking, how we get there is teaching the dog to follow us. Because dogs that don't walk well, one of the reasons it's because they're leading. And so walking is about teaching the dog to follow you, to teach the dog to pay attention, to teach the dog to follow you and pay attention and stay in the position we want next to you without getting ahead of you. Now, the first thing I want to tell you to do, stop starting the walk going forward. Do you hear me? Stop starting the walk going forward because the dog's already getting ahead of you immediately. Make a 180 degree turn away from the dog. As the dog then turns to follow you, mark and reward the dog. And then make another U-turn away from the dog. And as the dog follows you, mark and reward the dog. Use high-value food rewards. And again, turn away from the dog. I don't care if the only thing you can do is turn away from the dog 180 degrees and go a step or two and reward the dog. If that's what you can accomplish and your dog's not pulling and the dog's learning to follow you, then you can change that into three steps. And when that's going well, four steps and five steps and six before you make the turn. But you want to make a lot of turns away from your dog in quick succession. And as the dog follows you and starts to get next to you again, reward the dog. So when the dog follows, when the dog gets next to you, it gets a reward. And then boom, you turn around. And the dog starts to follow you again. It gets next to you. You reward the dog. Take your time doing this. Hey, maybe you got to start doing this in the house where there aren't any distractions before you actually get outside. And when you get outside, you've got to make sure that initially when you do this, there's not a ton of distractions. And little by little, work up to those distractions. Okay. Um, Give that a shot. You know, you've got to try that. Um, You said you've tried every type of harness, every type of collar. Um, You're getting training right now. Um, I don't recommend that you punish the dog. Again, the dog's being a dog. The dog doesn't know any better. The dog's excited. Hey, you've got to be more interesting than everything that's in your environment, okay? Sonia, you've got to have engagement with your dog. And part of that is... um, You know, I don't know if the situation is your dog sees other people and other dogs and it goes really crazy because it's really excited and happy to see them, but that's positive reinforcement. And if you continue to allow your dog to go up to every dog, go up to every person when it's excited, um, your dog learns that that behavior is functional. Okay. Um, So right now I would, if it's me, my dog doesn't hang out around other dogs. My dog doesn't hang around other people until it learns first I am the center. I am the center of the dog's universe. Okay. You need to be the most important thing in your dog's life. All fun things need to happen from you. And when you're the most important thing and all fun things happen from you, then you're not fighting for your dog's attention. Well, we are just about out of time. Um, I'm sorry if I didn't get to your question. Um, If you went ahead and put a question in the uh, comments section, 
What we'll do is next week, Saturday from 9 to 10, come on back, grab a cup of coffee, join us where I'll be taking more of your questions and helping you by providing you hopefully with answers that can make your life a little bit better with your dog, improving that relationship with your dog. Um, Some of you might be wondering, hey, where is Jordan? Well, Unfortunately, um, we wanted Jordan to be here. This was our big debut. We're no longer um, doing the show out of the KFNX 1100 uh, radio station studios. We're doing it um, out of the studio that we built here in my house. But unfortunately, COVID reared its ugly head. My stepson has COVID. He tested positive. And I've been exposed. And so um, we didn't want Jordan to come here. We didn't want him getting sick. We didn't want him bringing that home to his son. Um, We want to stay safe with everything. And we want you to stay safe. Remember that COVID is still out there and it's making a resurgence. So, you know, if you feel you're at risk, wear your mask. If you haven't got vaccinated, please get vaccinated. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your support. Please tell your friends and family about Pet Talk today. Please take this video and share this to your Facebook page so that other people can benefit from it. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Stay safe.